You're listening to the Apple Insider Podcast. Welcome to episode 41 of our show, where we discuss the latest news about Apple, iPhone, iPad, Mac, Apple Watch, Apple TV, and more. We're recording on Thursday, November 5th, 2015. With me is the esteemed managing editor of Apple Insider, Neil Hughes. Hey, how's it going? And also joining us is Mikey Campbell. Hello. Now, this episode is brought to you by Canary, a complete home security system in a single device. When Canary detects something out of the ordinary, it sends intelligent notifications with HD video straight to your phone. Canary puts you in control during an emergency. Through the Canary app, you can watch live footage, sound a built-in siren, or connect with police near your home. Start protecting your home with Canary today for just $199. Go to meetcanary.com and use the promo code INSIDER to get free overnight shipping. Now, Mikey, when we last talked, you were waiting on the arrival of your Apple TV. Did it come? It did. Brilliant. I'm so happy to hear that. And, and Neil, I know you got one too, right? I did. I've had it for the last week and did, uh, did our review that we ran on Monday. Yeah. Did it arrive on Friday or were you you're waiting around for a little bit longer? No, it got here. I, I paid for the super duper expedited shipping so I could get started on my review. Um, and it got here uh, in the morning last Friday. So I've had it for a week. Awesome. I, I went out and bought one on Friday morning as well, just like I told everyone I would. Um, I had some, some issues with it. I'll get to it later. I want to talk about your review. Yeah. So so go ahead. What, what do you think of it? Uh, you know, I think it really uh, lays the groundwork pretty well for where you can see all of this going. I think the, the interface is great. Uh, I really like the remote a lot. Uh, the App Store is... Uh, pretty easy to use and and to discover things and and find stuff that you already have on your iphone download it to your apple tv uh i think the voice search uh while it's kind of limited right now um is off to a pretty good start um can't wait till it opens up to other content providers and stuff like that um but yeah i I think that uh right out of the box it's pretty compelling and i think for the type of person who knows what they're getting into with this device. I think they'll be pretty happy with it. Um, There are some quirks with the interface. Uh, My biggest problem with it is it doesn't work with the iOS or Apple Watch remote app, Uh, presumably because they really want people to use the Siri remote and its fancy touchpad. But um, I have been, since the Apple Watch came out, been using the remote app on my watch to pause stuff and navigate just because it's nice and convenient to have it there. The fact that it doesn't work is insane to me. Um, and then on top of that, for keyboard entry, text entry, you can't use the iOS uh, remote app. So you have to use the on-screen uh, keyboard with the Siri remote. And when you have to log into Netflix and HBO Now and everything else, um, that can take a while. So there's a few little quirks, I think, with the tvOS um, that, that need to be addressed. And those are really my biggest complaints with the device. Now, let me ask, did you do the sort of automated setup using your iOS 9 device, or did you do the manual setup? I did the automated setup with my iOS 9 device. Uh Uh-huh. Right. And so when you do that, just so our our listeners get a sense of what happens, right, you you tell it, yes, I've got an iOS 9 device, and it finds it, and it tells you to bring your device close to the, the Apple TV, and it starts sending the dialog boxes for password entries to your phone, right? It says, you know... Please enter your iCloud ID. Please enter your your iTunes Store ID and password. And you do that with the keyboard on your iOS 9 device, right? 
Yeah, it just asked me once for the password on my phone, and then it was good to go on everything. So everything logged in, and then you just go through the normal uh, iOS-like setup process on the Apple TV itself. So I had to uh, decide whether or not to allow location services, uh, whether to uh, send diagnostic information to Apple and to developers, that sort of stuff. So mm-hmm. uh, the whole experience now is very much uh, almost identical to iOS. So... I, I did it both ways. I, I set it up once manually, and I set it up once with the uh, iOS 9 device. And the manual setup is kind of a nightmare. And it's it's kind of a nightmare for the reasons that you already said, right? You know, the, the remote app doesn't work, and you don't have a Bluetooth keyboard, so you're stuck using the remote swiping left and right on a 26-letter and 10-digit display to try and get through all of the passwords. Yeah, thankfully they do have a thing on the on-screen keyboard with a recent entry option. Oh, yes. So you can just use that to re-enter your email, which is great, but that doesn't help with passwords, especially uh, if you have, like when you're entering your iTunes password, you know, it's eight characters, letters and numbers and symbols maybe. And caps. Oh, man. Yeah, and and it it takes a (laughs) while to enter everything on there. Pretty big oversight, I think, by Apple, but... Um, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that uh, these will be addressed with future updates. And also what I would really like to see, um, especially like, you know, let's say they release a new Apple TV next year, iCloud uh, backup of your Apple TV, get the new one and your password once, everything that you had logged on your previous one is logged in. I think that kind of stuff is coming. Um, it's just a little bit of growing pains into a new platform. Well, they didn't have a, an iCloud restore because... They, they didn't have a device that they thought was like enough to restore from. Right. But I'm guessing, you know, That's if there's a new Apple TV next year or whatever, you're going to have iCloud backups to your TV oh, now along with your... I, I don't even else. think it's a matter of whether or not there's a new device. It's simply a matter of uh, the next update says people have had this long enough. They yeah. ought to be able to back it up because periodically you'll do a factory restore for whatever reason or you need to replace the hardware under Apple Care. Uh, lots of good reasons why you ought to be able to restore even if there isn't a new version. Yeah, exactly. You know, and but but there were some wrinkles along the way. There were some people that I noticed on Twitter who are are well-educated users, totally know exactly what they're doing, and still ran into road bumps where Apple TV would throw up bizarre messages during setup saying, uh, "Some code not right. Wait twenty-five. Wait a, until later to try and do again." And it didn't specify what later was or what had failed. And so, you know, there was some frustration for some users setting up the device. I had an issue in setting it up where it just said, try again. And so I tried again and it worked the second time. It wasn't really a big deal. I'm guessing it was, you know, their servers were getting slammed with people trying to activate. And that always happens. But, uh, you know, I was up and I was up and running with the Apple TV very quickly in terms of getting to the home screen, uh, in terms of logging into Netflix right. and HBO Now and all that. <laughs> That took a little longer, um, but th- this is easily fixed with an update to the the iOS remote app or uh, update to the Apple TV to allow Bluetooth keyboards. Why this wasn't available out of the box, I don't know. I wouldn't. I, I would say this isn't something that is like bad enough that you shouldn't get the new Apple TV because of it, but it's just a weird oversight. I think I'll agree with that assessment for that point. Um, however. Like I said, I bought mine on Friday, and I, I went to the store, and I bought the 32-gig version first. And I took it home. I had it for a couple of days and put some games on it and realized pretty rapidly that for the kinds of uses that I was doing, it was not remote, not that different from the Amazon Fire TV stick that retails for $39. And we chatted about this in, in iMessage, in Messages, where... 
I was really frustrated that that here it was. I'd paid for a premium device, premium experience, and I had that experience on the third generation and second generation Apple TV. And and now I'm thrown in this interface that is an exact copy of a, a device that I think is in fact worse. Now let's hold hold on a second here. Your issue is not with the Apple TV itself. Your issue is with how Netflix has chosen to design their app. That's and, your and Hulu, but but it stems a okay. little bit from Apple. It stems a you little bit. You said it's identical to uh, on the let Fire me, TV stick, though. Let right? me explain. Yeah, because Apple has gone to this app-based app store app store approval process that is similar to the phone and the iPad and all these other devices. They are giving up some of the tight control they've had in the past over what an Apple TV interface can look like. You know, the, the Netflix app for Apple TV second and third generation looked like it belonged on Apple TV and was really well done. The Hulu one was, was almost as good. The Yahoo screens one was an abomination. God knows how it ever got through. But the, the applications for Netflix and Hulu on the earlier generations were really well done. Now, because app developers, which is what you just said, Netflix and Hulu are in charge, they're making theirs consistent across all platforms, which remove some of the value of buying an Apple TV for me is the way that I felt about it on Friday and Saturday. And it really bummed me out. I was, I was, I was angry. I was <laughs> depressed. I was, I mean, I don't know what you expected. I, I literally like, well, you, when I expect you've been, that when I buy an Apple device, a premium device, I don't get garbage that I can get on Roku or, or a fire Amazon fire TV but stick. What, I mean, this is Netflix. They're going to, of course they want the, to give people the same experience across devices because they are not an Apple exclusive brand. They want it. They want you to be Netflix, familiar with Netflix, no matter where you're accessing it. Uh, yeah, and I know, and I came to to terms with that. That's that's the fifth stage of uh, of, of grief acceptance. Is acceptance. <laughs> I don't. Right? I don't know what you expected. I'm yeah, not sure. I, like, I expected better. Yeah, it's a it's a two hundred dollar device at the top end of. Things. Mikey, did you have, do you have it's, any problem with the Netflix interface on the new Apple TV? No, it's crap. It's fine. It's crap. And it's Hulu is worse. I mean, I don't, I don't know what you're seeing with the. I mean, I get. I guess it's. It is different than the. Than the third gen, but. Well, the third gen, really, every it, app worked the same. They all no, the no, same. no, no, no! It did not. Try they your, all look. The, they all look the same. No, they don't. On the um, the new Apple TV, the Netflix app mirrors the web interface. Quite well, so since I'm used to that. I'm also used to it on Apple TV, so I mean it's really not an issue for me. Hmm. I never touch the web interface. There, there is no circumstance in which I ever interact with Netflix.com on the web or Hulu on the web. It's always through Apple TV. But it We're wasn't. But it's not just limited to these things because once I started thinking about this, I, I spent two days using the Fire TV stick, and. I went through and started downloading games on Fire TV, which I never really bothered to do. And many there, there are some of the games that are the same across both devices. Uh, Beach Buggy Racing, for example, is one of the games that's on the new Apple TV and was also on the Amazon Fire TV stick. So I went ahead and downloaded it and was playing it. And you know what it, what it really showed is that the things that I don't like about Amazon Fire TV are their god-awful home screen, their lack of really good universal search, their voice search is only good for Amazon, and their their remote search with the buttons is terrible for everything. And the device is is bad enough that it hiccups during both playing streaming sources like Netflix 
and it also hiccups under gaming. It just can't keep up. So that all sounds terrible. It was pretty awful. Right. And so then I went back to the Apple store and got another Apple TV. So I, I had the first one, I took it back, and I got the other one. And th- but this was the first time in 15 years that I had ever returned an Apple product. And you still came crawling back because it's better than everything else that's out there. No, because I went down to, I, I, I sort of came to terms with the idea that, that these parts of it are crap. But I'm, I'm stuck with them because at some point, Netflix and Hulu are going to change their way their service works, and the third generation will no longer function with their service. I'm not really sure what it'll you're, be like. You're telling it'll me it'll be obsolete, and so I'll just have to get get over it and and get on with life with and it. use these damn things. So no, listen. You, are you just said that you downloaded games on the Amazon Fire TV yeah. that were the same and they work the same on the Amazon Fire TV? Well, of course they work the same because it's the same game. It should be, yeah. <laughs> I mean, right. What, what do you expect? What do I was trying to like- see. What I was trying to see was that if if all of these experiences from everyone are basically aiming at being the same thing, if the, if the, the device becomes just a portal, then what is the purpose of buying the two hundred dollar device instead of the lesser device? Well, the idea and is you're going to get out. stuff first on your Apple TV, right? I mean, it's the same reason. Compare Android apps to iPhone apps. You can get most of the same apps, right? I mean, you can get Facebook on both, whatever. But everybody knows that new apps that come out are generally going to be iOS first, and uh, new features are going to roll out iOS first, and sometimes they'll make it to other platforms, or if you're on Windows phone, you'll never get it. So that's why you that's why you I mean you can't expect on day 1 of a product with an app store that you're going to have all these incredible exclusive apps that are blowing everything else away. It takes time. No, I agree. I agree it does. Uh, I I think that yeah, my my greatest ire is reserved for Hulu and Netflix. And Hulu earns it twice because Hulu is still messing up on showing commercials for their non-commercial subscription and I I just their interface, man. They so on the third generation TV, movies, search, whatever, used to be at the very top of the screen. And now they've thrown that to be at the bottom of the screen, and the shows you watch is off the bottom edge. And so the stuff you're actually interested in, the things that are user-centered for what you're doing, are off the screen by default. And that just sucks. It should be the shows you watch, the things you're interested in, need to be front and center. They, they have no regard for their users. But doesn't Universal Search with Siri fix that for you? It's a nice workaround, but Siri, as you know, is is only good if you're watching stuff at a time um, when it, – it's a bad hack, right? It's a patch. You know, you can do it, and it works, but that's not the way you should be doing things if, they're, if, if you're Hulu. If you're Hulu, you don't want people fixing your broken interface by working around it with Siri. You want people to use your interface. Well, I mean, take that up with Hulu. I don't know. I don't use Hulu. Well, I did, actually. I did, so. (laughs) Yeah, I I don't use Hulu. Um, I'm just an occasional Netflixer, honestly. Well, you're you're a bit of an exception because you buy your Blu-rays and rip them and then uh, view them on your Apple TV over your local network. (laughs) No, uh, sometimes. Usually the reason I rip them is so I can put them on my iPad and bring them on my airplane. But now I, I pretty much only buy Blu-rays when they come with a digital copy now, iTunes digital copy, because I'm not messing around with that ultraviolet crap. Yeah. What I really want is someone to make a iCloud Drive or Dropbox app for the Apple TV, because I have all of my ripped movies now on Dropbox, because I travel a lot and I don't want to. I want to have access to my movies, but I don't want to have like an external hard drive I'm bringing with me everywhere or something like that. So it'd be nice if I could just stream them to the Apple TV without having to 
mess with anything. But yeah. most for the most part, what I'll do is I know I'm getting on a flight. I'll download, you know, two or three movies, throw them on my iPad, and then I have a choice when I'm on the flight of what I want to watch. Not bad. You know, speaking of things that are, are getting towards that notion, uh, Plex announced a, a Plex server and Plex app for Apple TV so that you're able to yeah, it's already local out. storage. Yeah, they, they've released that. You can have your local storage and play your Plex files from your local network attached storage to uh, to your Apple TV, which is pretty cool. Yeah, and awesome. uh, VLC, the Video Land client, is about to do the same kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, this is this is what makes the new Apple TV so great. It's really up to developers. They're only limited by, uh, you know, whatever Apple's restrictions are. But beyond that, you know, you're going to get all these great ways of watching content now that you didn't have before. Yeah. It's... <sighs> I'm, I don't know, man. I, I went through this. I, I went back and restored to factory all of my old Apple TVs. I went back and restored the Apple TV 1 to, to Apple TV OS 1.1. And just just to go back and, and refresh what the experiences were like. You you used a Fire TV for two days. You yep. bought two fourth-generation Apple TVs. Did. And you restored your old Apple TVs to their factory settings. How much time do you have on your hands, Victor? Not enough. <laughs> God. <laughs> but the, the thing is, is I don't want to be stuck using something that, that disappoints me. And I'll put a little bit of effort into just going through and rehearsing and figuring out what all of the things were that annoyed the hell out of me. Why don't you just build your own home theater PC and be done with it? Uh, I, you know, I don't want to do that again. I did that once. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I There did is that. no pleasing had... you, Victor. That's the problem. Mikey, you've been using the Apple TV for you know. I have a, what are, I your, have a friend. What are your no no no. I, I have a friend, and my friend's Twitter profile is, I make consumer electronics to feed my consumer electronics habit, and that's where I've been, man. I, I do it. That's how we live because none of this stuff is good enough. Mikey, what are your problems with this new Apple TV? Um, the the remote is well. I mean, the most obvious thing, of course, is. The on-screen keyboard, which is a nightmare to use. Did you use the iOS uh, remote app before with the previous gen? Yeah. Well, for text entry, I did. Mm-hmm. And actually, yeah, for regular remote stuff, too, because it it was a trackpad. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't think I've touched the silver remote since... I don't even think I used it. I lost mine. Setting up I lost mine years yeah. ago. It's in a couch cushion somewhere. Probably. But... Uh, yeah, the, the new keyboard is horrendous, but you can get the grid back if you go back, you know, the, the grid style. Um, is that an ABC. accessibility? No, you gotta, you have to, uh, unpair your Siri remote and pair up the old silver one. Ah. The, one. the old silver one and the old white one will both work even when you have the Siri one paired. So if you have a couple of those lying around and want to have remote fights with your significant other, you can use them both at the same time. Someone in the comments was saying the other day that they connected a game controller and that brought back the grid too. But I didn't yeah, see that. Uh, well, again, I if you connect the game controller, you have to disconnect the Siri remote to get uh, the grid. Yeah, because I was using the game controller to navigate, but it still had the... So for those that haven't used the Apple TV and don't know what we're talking about, when you enter text on the TVOS platform, 
uh, with the serial remote, it, the alphabet is just displayed as one line all the way across. So in older Apple TV models, the grid of text would be, you know, f- three or four lines of letters. So it was quicker to get around. No, it was like 10, ro- uh, ten rows and like six columns or something. Yeah. So on the new one, it's just one long line. So if you need to enter A oh. and then the letter R, you got to scroll all the way over. And yeah. Then, and there's no wrapping. You can't. Yeah, you can't wrap around. It's so, so ridiculous. Wait, wait, there is wait, a way wait, to, wait. They do have, because it's a, a trackpad remote, they do have good acceleration. So yes, if you swipe do. really hard, you get over there pretty quick. No, the trackpad's awesome. I love the trackpad. I'm, they, I'm it's it's not like they've done everything terrible. It's, it's that there's this conflict of really good things and really annoying things. Yeah, at first I was skeptical, too, about the home button plus the menu button, but it works great. Um, the menu button just takes you back once, like... If you were using an Android device, actually, uh, whereas the home button takes you back to the home screen, and uh, it works. It's it's awesome. They have uh, built-in volume controls on it, uh, and that works great. Uh, there's HDMI CEC, so if you have a newer TV, it'll turn on and off your TV with the Apple TV. Wait, wait, wait. The volume controls work if you have HDMI CEC. No, they work with no, they also infrared work. as well. You can program yeah. it. You should check out our tips. You have to program them, but if... No, no. Oh, no. If if well, you have CEC, they cases, work automatically. If you don't have CEC, you have to program it. I just had to point my uh, TV remote at the Apple TV, and they had an infrared receiver there uh-huh. that received the signal, and then it transmitted it over to the remote via Bluetooth, and then now it works fine. Okay. It's very simple. Yeah. It took me two seconds. But um, I'm going to have to try that with yeah, my I don't AV think receiver. Yeah, anyone, no one's really knocking the remote. It's the UI is just, I don't know. The one complaint about the remote is the buttons are equidistant from the top and the bottom. So the top half has the trackpad. Oh, yeah. It's the which way the, is up problem, right? In the dark, yeah. if you pick up the remote, you might think that you're holding it the right way and you start pressing the bottom of the remote and there's no trackpad there. So, yeah. But I, I mean, that's I, really I, not, I don't think it's that big of a deal, frankly. So, I have you connected game controllers yet? I have connected uh, the Madcats CTRLI, and I've connected the Moga uh, Rebel. I think is what it's called. Wait, your your CTRLI is a micro version, micro right? Right. CTRLI. Yes. Okay. I I received the full size CTRLI. It's a nice controller. I, I honestly, um, for the price, you know, I, I had reviewed it months ago and used it with iPhone and iPad. Um, and it's it's I, you know if anybody wants it you can get it for like thirty five bucks on Amazon I think uh, if you don't mind the fact that it doesn't have an integrated battery go for it it's which awesome. is one of the things that I know bothers you but for some yeah. people being able to replace the batteries yeah, some with off the shelf batteries is is a good thing and it's it's a decent controller yeah so the one that uh, and there's supposed to be sending us one to review soon right the Steel Series uh, that's the one that Apple's promoting that Apple actually helped design and it recharges through Lightning that's why, wait a, wait why do you say helped design because I think that's a bit too far. Because they supposedly helped design it. That's what it says. Uh, They were part of the development process, which is why they have a lightning, uh, are the first uh, controller with lightning. And it's also the featured controller on Apple's website. And when you buy and check out with the Apple TV at the online store, it recommends you add it on too. So they have a partnership with SteelSeries on that one. They they have a coordinated launch, but anyone can use the lightning port. I I understand, but they said in interviews that they worked with Apple on it. So. They work with Apple on it. Anyhow, uh, it's the same thing as the Logitech keyboard um, for iPad Pro. Apple worked with Logitech on that, too. Now, how much input Apple had on the overall design, I don't know. But they knew about the product ahead of time, and they worked on it together. Um, So that controller, uh, which is out now and it costs $50, 
Uh, the main knock against that one, and again, I haven't used it, but just knowing about the design of it, uh, it does not have a clamp or anything if you want to use it with an iPhone. So it's iPhone compatible, but if you were on a train or something and wanted to you know, play with your iPhone and, and not lose it, um, there's no way to do that. Right, but the SteelSeries Nimbus, which is the one we're talking about, is really, as you say, being marketed as the one for the Apple TV. Correct, yes. It's a full-size controller. Now, the um, Moga Rebel that I have... Uh, is a it recharges it has a built-in battery it recharges over micro USB and it has a really nice extendable ar- uh, arm that comes out of it that will clamp down on your iPhone 6 or 6 plus um, and that holds your phone in place and then it folds up into a really nice design uh, so if you want to use it with your iPad or your Apple TV then it's out of the way uh, that one I think is like 60 bucks 70 bucks something like that uh, and then there's the madcast options which I they retail at 50. Um, but you can get them for like 35 depending on the color you get on Amazon. And that one has an arm as well, but it's like a removable plastic piece that you kind of have to jam in there, and it feels like it might break over time. Uh, but the controller itself is really well made, and I like it. So uh, those would be your three best options if you want a game on your Apple TV. Yeah. Now, have you tried using the controller as your remote for the home screen? Yeah, and it works great. You don't find any of the way the buttons are assigned for that confusing? No, it works just like my Xbox does. A selects stuff, B goes back. And you can, double pe- you can double press the B button to uh, emulate the home button and just double tap B and you'll go back to the home screen. I mean, every game console works that. If you have a PlayStation 4, the X button selects and the circle button goes back. It's those first two buttons right there. It works exactly the same on the Apple TV as it does on a game console. Hmm. And you can even use the trigger buttons to go left and right. Okay. That's really helpful to know. Good tip. I um, I don't have the game consoles and have never cared about having the game consoles and uh, found that I was, unexpectedly for me, being thrown back to, to having movies in the upper left having the focus. What were you, what were you trying to do? I was, I was uh, trying to select, and instead of using A, I probably hit the, the button to the upper left of A. And, uh, yeah, those buttons don't do anything. Me. X and Y it, don't. Right. They end up throwing me up to, yeah. uh, to movies. Yep, A to select and B to go back, and then you can yeah. use the D-pad or you can use the uh, joystick to move around, and it works fine. Which is nice. Like if you're playing a game and you want to get out of there, and uh, um, you can press the uh, the home button, go and go back to the uh, home screen, and then jump to another game, and you don't have to, you don't have to pick up the remote. Hmm. It's it's been working pretty well. I um... <laughs> you're coming around. Eh. Mikey, you don't have a controller, right? A game controller? No. You don't care? I don't I don't really care about that. I mean, maybe I'll get one when some compelling games come out, but right now, no. I mean, it's, I think it's inevitable that we're going to get some compelling games. Do you game on your iPhone at all? Yeah. What do you yeah, play? But, uh, uh, nothing that requires a uh, D-pad or four buttons. So. Well, but that's the interesting thing is that these games, when you're using the uh, the Siri remote, don't require a D-pad or four buttons or things like that. They're they're doing it with you know for the the Disney Infinity Star Wars, they're using accelerometer inside the remote and swipes. With uh, with some of the other games, it's just a swipe or click. And yet, when you add the controller, now you've got the the joystick and you've got the the different buttons for the different attacks and can do more. Yeah, so I tried out uh, the racing game Asphalt 8, and uh, I've tried it with the 
serial remote. And it worked. I mean, if you've played Mario Kart on your Wii, it works pretty much the same. Uh, you hold it with the trackpad on the left side in your hands uh, sideways. And uh, you tilt the controller to steer. And it's, I mean, it's motion controls, so it's not great, but it's responsive enough. It's just a, a simple, ca- casual game. Uh, and uh, the because there's no buttons, essentially, uh, the acceleration is done automatically. And then you can click the left trackpad to brake, and then you just turn it to steer. Now, if you want more complex controls in a more uh, traditional control method, uh, you just can connect the controller. And just like how you would on an Xbox, the right trigger accelerates, left trigger brakes, and then the thumbsticks uh, steer. Um, things are a little bit more different. Uh, I, I like uh, Twin Stick Shooter uh, Geometry Wars 3 is available on Apple TV, and it's a universal purchase, which is great. So you pay for it once, you get it on your iPhone, you get it on your iPad, uh, and you get it on your Apple TV. You want to play it on your iPhone and use the touchscreen real quick on the go, it works, um, and then it syncs with iCloud. You come home, boot it up on your TV, and you pick up where you left off. It works great. Um, <laughs> the the Siri remote controls are basically, because Apple requires that any game work with the Siri remote. So they, they put them in there. I mean, the controls are there, but oh, man. Um, so if you want to play – so Geometry Wars is a dual thumbstick shooter. So one stick controls the direction your character is going, and the other stick controls the direction they're shooting in. So you can move one way and shoot another way, and it works independently. Um, that works great on a controller or even with dual touchscreens. But with the Siri remote, it uses the accelerometer. Uh, one of them moves the character and and then the touchpad shoots in a direction. So like, you have to like rewire your brain. It was horrible. Uh, so you're like tilting the controller and using the touchpad at the same time. So I, I, I mean, I don't think that the game is intended to be played that way at all. But I think that's a, just a let's way. meet the requirements right. and move on. Yeah, that's that's uh, let's let's do what Apple requires of us, and then now we can get on the App Store and and because you you said you booted up uh, Disney Infinity, right? Uh, and, Disney Infinity, and it kept uh, bugging you to connect a controller, right? Uh, it didn't bug me. It just every time it shows you what the instructions are. Here's how it's going to work if you have the controller on the left, and here's what you do to control it with the Apple remote on the right, okay. the Siri remote, and that's not terrible. That's that's fine. Um, some of the other games, once I've connected the controller, have given me extra steps. They've recognized, oh, hey, got a controller now, and have taken me through the steps of, of what you use to make the controller work. So, for example, uh, Rayman, the uh, the Rayman's Adventure Rayman, game. yes. Yeah. I didn't say Raymond. I said Rayman. <laughs> Rayman? Uh, I didn't say Rain. This is not a Dustin Hoffman movie, uh, or Tom Cruise, for that matter. So, no, it's, it's Rayman. And... The, I, I used that with the Siri remote for three days, and then I went ahead and connected the controller. And so I had a good bit of experience using it with the remote, and it was totally cool. I was great with the remote, and it was fun to play with the remote. Adding the controller, different experience, feels a lot more like a game platform, and, and it's totally working for me too. But and I had to get through those, those here are the new tutorial steps for how do you use the controller with this thing. Well, I've been, I've been reviewing these controllers for a while, um, and the one complaint I've always had is... Apple, for whatever reason, does not make it clear when you're on the App Store on iOS what titles offer game controller support. Oh, they totally do here, though. They do, and it's awesome. So you go into the game section, you tap on a game, and then right front and center it says game controller compatible. And you you know when you're downloading if you're going to be able to use a controller with it. And that's the way it should be. I don't know why they don't have this on the iOS App Store. It makes absolutely 
no sense to me. They they handicapped it from the start, and they they never. They, I don't know why they haven't fixed it. But the, on the, the Apple TV app store has a ton of stuff that they have to tell you. Right? They have so much information. Uh, offers and app purchases compatible with every iPod Touch known to man and an iPad also. Um, it's one more line of text. This requires that. Put it they right below the game center. Screw, uh, screw the text. Just put a nice big icon of yeah. controller there. Just give me the icon. It's it's easy and simple, and they've done it on the Apple TV, and that's the way it should be. You can go on there and figure out which games are going to work with your controller, because every game is going to work better with a controller. That's just the reality of it. Uh, you know, nothing against touchscreen games; they're fine, but having well, a tactile I, feedback is going to be better. I, I don't know. Every game may be overshooting because, as I say, Rayman was really enjoyable without the controller. All right, Angry Birds is going to work better with a touchscreen, yes. But for most games that people like to play, I think that you're going to want a controller. I'll give it to you. I mean, there, you know, there's some games based on these con- <laughs> th- these requirements that you just can't have on the Apple TV because they won't work with the Siri remote. Like, yeah. I have um, the Grand Theft Auto San Andreas which is a PlayStation 2 game that uh, Rockstar ported over to iOS. And I think it's like six bucks, right? Um, you can connect a controller and you can play it just like you did on your PlayStation 2, but it's on your phone or your iPad or whatever. And I can even airplay it to my Apple TV and play it on my TV if I want. But there is no way that you could play that game with the Siri remote. It's impossible. There's just too much going on there to do it. Yeah, I mean, you have to have. I mean, it uses every button on the controller. Every single button on the controller gets used for that game. So, and there's no way to to uh, pare it down so that there's just a, a basic set. I mean, what would that you need? I, I can't imagine. It just ruined the game. I mean, you have to be able to run around in three dimensions, jump, shoot, steal cars, punch, change weapons, change the radio station. Uh, I mean, it, it, it's just way too complex. And so, you know, I, I think the groundwork's already been laid there where when you go on there now, it says game controller compatible. All that Apple would have to do is flip a switch, say, okay, you can make games that just that require a controller, and it'll say on there game controller required, and then before you authorize the purchase, it will say, are you sure you want to buy this so you know you have to own a game controller to play this? And you say, yes, I know, and then that's It'd it. It'd be even cooler if they just looked in your, you know, the history of the device logs and said, oh, it, you connected a controller yeah. a week ago. We know you've got one. Right. Go for it. Yeah, that w- that would be good too. But uh, you know, the, the groundwork's laid there, and it's really going to fall on developers. You know, like I saw, there were some games that you can download that are they re-release them um, as TV only versions of the game. So if you already owned it on iPhone, it, it would sync with iCloud, but you don't own the game. And I, you know, I mean, people did this when this the iPad the first same, came out too. Yeah, that's the same nonsense we had with the iPad, and people still do it a little bit, but. Not you so know. much. It'll change over time. But, I mean, again, Geometry Wars, you buy it once, and I, you, if you already own it on your iPhone, it's already on your Apple TV. The same with it. Alto's Adventure. And, and uh, yeah, there, there are a few on there. Uh, there was uh, Well, this, this was the uh, awesome Crab thing, as well. right? Was, was you signed into your Apple TV after for initial setup, and you went to the Purchased tab, and yeah. you got to see what you already had waiting for you. Very convenient. I like that a lot. Because it was like I already had like 40-some-odd apps that I had downloaded on my iPhone that were already Apple TV compatible right out of the box. Just go in, start downloading them, ready to go. It was cool. So what are your top games or apps? Uh, I, uh, you know, I mean, the obvious ones. You're going to want to get Netflix. HBO Now is great. Um, I've been using Showtime anytime. That's good. Um, 
NHL Game Center, they didn't update the interface, but there's an update coming in 2016. So when you boot it up, it's like a blast from the past. It looks like a bare bones third gen Apple TV app. Uh, but the streaming works great. Uh, for some reason, because I stream hockey games um, on my Xbox One a lot, and it always stutters. And whenever I stream on my Apple TV, my old second gen as well didn't stutter. So I don't know if that's like Apple's servers or what it is, but it works much better on Apple TV. Um, the other ones I've used are uh, – I don't have a Hulu subscription, so I haven't used that. But Netflix, uh, WWE Network works well. Um, and uh, – Geometry Wars is great. Uh, I played a little bit of Mr. Crab, and that was cool. The Rayman game was cool. Um, and Rayman's free, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, and and, 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 and I should add, well. they also have a Rayman game for, for the phone that was uh, free today. Right. And uh, Asphalt 8 is free. And, again, that's another universal app. So if you play a lot of Asphalt 8 on your phone, um, all of your progress will be synced when you get it on your Apple TV. Now, the progress sync, we should point out, is not for every game. It's for the games that have implemented that on their own. Correct. So it has to have an iCloud integration. And I had never played Asphalt 8 before, so if it doesn't work with iCloud sync, sorry, I lied. Uh, But as far as I know, because I know Geometry Wars definitely does do the cross sync because I booted it up, um, and it said there's a newer game save in iCloud. Do you want us to download this? And I said yes, and then just kind of went off where I was. Yeah, Alta's Adventure made a point about putting in the release notes that they do this as well. Yeah, and that's great because, uh, Mike, you have a PlayStation 4 and a Vita, right? Yeah. And you you have some cross-buy games, I assume, right? Yeah. And how, yeah. how well have those worked for you, honestly? Um, I mean, it's okay. I mean, it's definitely not as seamless as Apple's solution. but um, Some are better than others. Like, uh, I bought uh, Sly Cooper. Uh, yeah. And it was a it was a dual purchase, so it came with a disc and then a download code for your Vita, which was awesome. So you pay thirty bucks for the game, you could play it on your PlayStation. I think it was a PlayStation Three game, and then it would sync the game saves with the Vita. But you had to like go in and manually say to like push the save to the cloud. It wasn't very seamless. But then on the other oh, hand, yeah. you have uh, there's a PlayStation Four game and Vita game called uh, I think it's Dragon's Crown, and they make you buy it twice, even though it does the cloud game sync. So it's $30 to buy it on your Vita, then another $30 to buy it on your PS4. And then it'll sync between those two if you want to pay $60 for two copies of the same game. No thank you. There are limits, right? I, yeah, I mean, I'm not, it's... Out of the box, the Apple TV already has a better uh, groundwork laid for cross-purchasing and, and syncing in the cloud than uh, Sony. And Microsoft doesn't really do that because they don't make a portable Copy. game. I mean, I guess I guess they have like a Halo game for Windows Phone, but who cares? Well, I uh, I'm coming to terms with my 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 struggle. With the <laughs> the struggle is real. I, I don't. Life is too short to put up with crap in any way, form, and unfortunately, there's too much of it out there, and it's hard to avoid. But this is the best of, of things, but the opening up the doors to, to the app store and, and the freedom that that gives has meant opening up to to the freedom to do lesser things, and it's kind of annoying. Mikey, are you regretting well, your purchase or what? No, I mean, it's not like these things are deal killers. For you. Yeah, for anybody <laughs> who's... I mean, come on. It, you have to 
you have to scroll down a couple more bars in Hulu to get to your most viewed. I mean, what is it going to take? Like another second of your life? Come on. I know we, we'd all want to live in this utopia where everything is, you know, totally great for everybody, but it's impossible. And when you're going to open up like a, when you're going to open up the app store, it's a give and take. You're going to get these crap apps and that, but at the same time, you're going to open up the door to these really great groundbreaking apps. So, I mean, right now, obviously they didn't have a lot of time to work on, um, their interfaces. So maybe Hulu and Netflix will in the coming months update their apps when, uh, they're, they've been able to spend more time and get customer feedback. Victor has already called Netflix and complained to their customer service to have them pass along his interface suggestions. That is true. They story. were very nice, by the way. They were. I'm sure they were because they're not going to pass it along. They're not going to pass it along. Come on. <laughs> they're like, okay, yes, sir. Yes. <laughs> and it goes right into the circular file and, and directly yeah. into the trash. I mean, well, let's be real. But this thing's nice. been out for less than a week, and we already have some pretty neat apps. You've got. Um, uh, Plex on there. We already talked about. Uh, there were a couple I saw that were pub- free public domain. Storehouse. Movies. Storehouse kicks ass. Yeah, I mean, have you tried Storehouse? I haven't used it. No. You get get Storehouse for your phone. Get Storehouse for the Apple TV. the The secret here that you should know about is the backstory. Is that Mark Kawano, who is the CEO of Storehouse, was the user interface evangelist at Apple. He was the guy that was the the pretty much sort of top in charge of helping third-party apps understand how to make their interfaces fit best on iOS mm-hmm. and to give them advice for how to fix their app interfaces. Mm-hmm. And he left Apple a year, year and a half ago and founded Storehouse and is doing it. And it's just beautiful. Cool. I'll have to check that out. It's it's photo collages. It's memories. It's, it's really, it's just amazingly well done. Go check it out. Cool. That couldn't have happened on a third generation, I grant you. So, so and, yeah, and there's a lot of apps on there. It's like, who would ever want this? Like, they have a Zillow app, <laughs> you know. Uh, and then I, I clearly, if you're looking up what the house next door sold, for, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I I don't know what the use for that app is, but somebody in the comments on my review was like, I love the Zillow app. So great. <laughs> I mean, that's the point of an app store. It may not all appeal to everybody, but you'll find something in there that appeals to you. So. The, the potential for it becomes limitless. And I think you're going to see all kinds of really cool apps uh, that go beyond maybe w- even what we're expecting. I think it's kind of cool to just go house hunting, even if you're not in the market. <laughs> On your it's TV? Kind of like for- yeah, it's like a form of entertainment, right? <laughs> Take that virtual home tour. I, I mean, that appeals to something. Like there's an Airbnb app, too. Yeah. You know, if you want to gather the family around... Uh, Okay. I saw there were a bunch of apps on there that were um, uh, ahead of the holidays, fireplace apps. That's Those are going to be big for right. nice free apps. I think that's fireplace. stupid, but it doesn't matter. The fact that it's there is cool. You know? so well, somebody's I mean, people have always that. run the YouTube video for that. I know. <laughs> they, they do it on Netflix every year, too. So there's a market for it. I don't care, but for people that care, it's there. Yeah, I don't care either. <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know why you bought an Apple TV. I don't know what you expected. Because for years, the Apple TV was the very best way to consume media. And now it's not? <sighs> I am disappointed. Son, it's still, I am disappointed. It, it, it's, it's pretty... It's pretty... Uh, Look, so... It's pretty up there. Come on. I, I had the Fire TV stick 
when it first came out, and it has the same interface. Like oh, you, you and said. this Fire TV stick. Man. And listen, my wife made me take the Fire TV stick off the TV and put it back in the box and put an Apple TV third gen back because trying to navigate the things that she wanted to watch was a freaking nightmare. What does your her. wife think of the fourth gen Apple TV? She hasn't touched it yet. <laughs> she lets me drive or she lets my daughter drive. She's not doing it. All right. Well, she should check it's, it out. It's I a mean, screw it's, up. Look, it's, it's it's a screw up. No, how is it Apple's screw up? It's though? not Apple's screw up, except that they've opened the door and they aren't. So you don't think they should have allowed third party apps? Is basically what you're I I don't know. Wrong. No, he wants wrong. third party apps, but he wants them to play gatekeeper. Right, to, that's going to be a nightmare. They have what, a look, UI evangelist. They can tell people what the better path is. I know, but you're not going to get these experimental apps like a fireplace and stuff when you have someone someone's watchful eye over you all the time it's, it's i agree like that's small, why i had to go through the different has stages, disappointment, made, anger bargaining acceptance man i had to come to terms with it but it still sucks has anyone made a fart app yet i'm getting right on that Where, where's shane <laughs> we got to get shane on that we need to get an apple tv fart app then we'll we finally get an come apple insider circle. apple tv fart app. we will have come full circle <laughs> It's faster, right? I mean, it's it's snappier than a fire stick. Oh, God, yes. No. Yeah, well, so, the I mean, fire the box hardware... is snappier than a fire stick. Well, yes. Yeah. You know, this is the tiny but, little dual-core thing. That... So, I mean, it has a potential to be great. And I, I, I don't know. I think panning it one week in is, is a bit... I'm not. Uh, yeah, I mean, other than, like, other than I'm the not panning iOS it. controller, uh, I don't come here to bury Apple TV. <laughs> I they they did everything right in laying the groundwork, except for removing compatibility with the iOS remote app. That's really what. But you you out. have to use it today. You, you, you you're, we're talking about buying it for what it will do in the future. But today is is the day you're using. It. I yeah, and I, I agree. I don't think that somebody who owns a third gen Apple TV and doesn't care about apps should buy this yet. I think you should wait until there's a killer app for it. And if you just want to watch Netflix, get a Chromecast for thirty-five bucks. No, those are shitty too. Don't do that. Well, if you want, I mean, if you want apps, that's why you buy it. You know, that that's really what this boils down to. Do you want to get new apps for your TV to be able to install and use them? Because there isn't an Apple TV subscription service yet. It's not there. So don't buy for that stuff. Buy it because you want to get new apps for your TV. That's why you do it. I, I don't have anything to add to that. All right, we're beating a dead horse. Let's move on. We, we've, we've found it. We found agreement. Thank you, Neil. This podcast is brought to you by Igloo. Why invest in the latest, sleekest devices if you're going to use them to stare at an internet website that looks like it was built in the 90s? Not only can Igloo be customized to look amazing, but with its responsive design, it's automatically optimized for almost any device you're using, including the latest iPhones, which means that everything you can do at your desk, you can now do on the go on your phone. And just like your favorite Apple devices, Igloo helps you do your best work. Share files, coordinate calendars, provide status updates, and manage projects. Igloo's not just your traditional intranet stuff like HR policies and expense forms. It also lets you work better together with your teams. Sign up now and get a free trial at igloosoftware.com slash insider. And we thank them for that. Now... We, we, we talked a lot about Apple TV, but just before we talked about Apple TV, historically, in the podcast, we were talking about iPhone launches. And there was an article that we published this week about 
an iPhone 7 coming in 2016, which is not a surprise. But the surprise is what? Neil, tell me, tell me what's going on here. Phone launch. Right. So uh, we have a source who has uh, reached out to us in the past uh, with accurate information about Apple's future plans. And this person uh, pinged us this week to say that Apple internally is apparently hoping to launch uh, next year's quote-unquote iPhone 7 a little earlier than usual. So for the last four years, including this year, uh, the new iPhone has come out in uh, late September, around like September 19th, 20th, 21st, thereabouts. Uh, And we thought that they would probably just stick with that same release schedule as they've done, but uh, this person claims apparently that Apple is hoping to bring it out a little sooner. They didn't say when, um, but uh, obviously things can change as well. You don't really know, but I guess they're looking to accelerate uh, the development cycle a little bit uh, internally. The new phone is supposed to have an all-new design, as they do with new numbers. Um, And one of the reasons that they might do this is there's a lot of concern that the iPhone 6S may not be met with as much demand on the market um, as the 6 was because it looks identical uh, externally to the 6S. And people like... Oh, my God. They've never done that before. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, really. But people like shiny new things, and, and the iPhone keeps growing, growing, growing. And so there's a lot of concern on Wall Street that they may not be able to continue that growth uh, now that it's so big. So one of the ways that Apple kind of nipped that in the bud for the early uh, quarters of sales was China was a launch quarter this year, uh, which helped boost uh, launch sales and heading into the holidays. So in the last quarterly earnings call, Tim Cook said that uh, iPhone sales will grow this holiday quarter. So now Wall Street, because they're eternally pessimistic, is looking toward the tail end of the success cycle and thinking that as hype builds for an iPhone 7, uh, sales might taper off and Apple might see its first ever year-over-year decline in iPhone sales since the product launched. So uh, having said all that, uh, one potential reason, and this is pure speculation, but one potential reason that they might want to launch an iPhone 7 a little bit early is to uh, kind of cut off some of that uh, tapering at the end of the product cycle. So if you were to think, theoretically, Apple were to launch a new iPhone a little bit early, maybe in August or even July, uh, that might uh, help boost sales a little sooner and and prevent that year-over-year decline. Uh, That said, maybe it's all bunk. Who knows? Uh, You know, we get told this stuff and we put it out there and we do the best job we can. And this guy has been accurate in the past. Poor girl. I I don't know. Um, But, uh, yeah, so... That was uh, an exclusive that we had this week, and supposedly that's what Apple's looking to do next year. Right, and one of the things that I think about is not the Wall Street side of it, but I think about what the user's side of it is, where we have users who want to upgrade for every new phone. And especially now that there are plans expressly named upgrade plan or jump plan so that you can get on the new phone. And you pointed out to me that the Apple upgrade plan terms require you to have held the device that you started with for 12 months. Mm-hmm which means that if the release cycle is shortening, there are going to be people who are on an upgrade plan named because they want to be able to upgrade, and the new phone comes, and they'll be stuck holding it for a little bit longer than they expected. Oh, (laughs) boo-hoo. I don't think that really matters. A lot of people have said that, like, oh, they're going to screw over people with the upgrade plan, so they've got to wait another month to get their phone? I mean, come on. You are just totally full of sympathy today. (laughs) Wow. Who cares? Yeah. But there was other iPhone 7 uh, news this week. Mikey, if you wanted to get into that. Oh, yeah. Uh, so uh, ever 
EverReady analyst, Ming-Chi Kuo. Uh, Who our readers love, by the way. Love him. Yes. Love him. Always, always commenting how great he is. Right. Uh, he's uh, saying that Apple is going to launch the 4-inch iPhone, a mythical, mythical device, ever since they stopped making them with the 5S. So it 4-inch format could come back this year. Except it's going to be gimped with the A9 CPU and no 3D touch. Which, for people like Neil, would be very sad. Especially because since... Because it's... Well, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure if I would agree with that. because He's basically saying it's going to be an upgraded 5S, right? Right. So it'll be a 6C. So... But it's not a C because it's not it's it's metal, not colored. Yeah, I plastic. don't know what, what they'd even call this thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, 6C I'm using as a designation for their budget device. Right. So it would be a it would be a budget device, which is not what many people are looking for. They want a four inch iPhone that is on par with the flagships, but just has a smaller screen. And f- right, Neil, that's what you right. Want. That I mean, ideally, that would be what I would get. But I think for a lot of people that are going to buy the four inch phone, they're probably not the type of people that care so much about the specs. And I think that's the market they'd be going for with a entry level model. Um, Ming Chi also said that production of this was actually going to start in the first half of 2016 um which might lend itself well with what our tipster said in terms of Mm -hmm. an earlier than expected launch if they start production of this assuming that they wanted to launch all the phones at the same time another thing that apple could do is kind of surprise and do like a early 2016 debut of a new iphone model in the four inch size uh and just kind of shake things up mid-cycle uh, there's been some speculation about that too. I don't know that they would do that though, but uh, they do have kind of, it uh, depends on what they'll do with the Apple Watch next year. Because remember this year, the Apple Watch launched in April, so that was kind of an early in the year product for them. So the question is next year, do they launch a new Apple Watch in April? Do they hold off until the fall? Um, there's a lot of uncertainty right now as to what's going to happen next year in the timetables of these products. And the other thing that Ming Chi said um, was that. Uh, he is expecting the iPhone 7 Plus to uh, gain more advantages over the iPhone 7. So he, he thinks the larger 5.5-inch model is going to come with 3 gigs of RAM, while the 4.7-inch model will be limited to 2 gigs of RAM. Uh, the current iPhone 6S and 6S Plus both have the same amount of RAM, 2 gigabytes, which itself was double that of the RAM in the iPhone 6. So right now, if you get a 6S Plus, uh, the main difference other than the bigger size obviously is the camera has optical image stabilization in the hardware and the lens whereas the smaller success does not uh so he thinks that they're going to start doing more to differentiate and add more power to the 6s or i'm sorry to the 7 plus next year well that that tells me what i get device i want to get you gonna go for the jumbo size he's gonna get a 5s i yes no I, i keep thinking the jumbo size is the right one I, I like the idea of the more spec. Uh, okay, so let me say something about Ming Chi Kuo before we move on from this subject, because our readers in our comments really, really, really hate this guy. I, <laughs> and I don't really understand why. So this guy is a analyst for KGI Securities, and he has for years 
been the most accurate person in predicting Apple's future product plans. Sometimes he gets the timing of stuff wrong. Sometimes he gets some small details wrong here and there. But by and large, he gets everything right that he puts out about Apple's products. And that's just a fact. And you can look into it. And he nailed everything about Apple's fall. And he said he did it before everybody. It's easy to take it for granted when, you know, a bunch of supply chain reports come out and then some of them start to corroborate the others and then a picture starts to evolve. Ming-Chi Kuo in January said everything about the iPad Pro. Uh, he had the exact screen size. He knew about the stylus before anybody else. Um, he n- nailed everything about that device uh, nine months before it was even announced. So, but wait, Neil, he, he didn't get the connector right. Right. <laughs> he didn't get the smart connector, which is probably because when it was in pre-production, they were probably using a USB port there or something to test out peripherals before they put the actual it's connector because, on the device. It's because he was wrong, Neil. Uh, yeah, well, he was dead wrong. anyhow, the point is the guy had all the details about the iPad Pro before anybody had them nailed down. He had the exact screen size and everything. You look at the iPhone, the exact same thing. He knew about how uh, 3D Touch was going to work how uh, it was going to be implemented, that he was the first one to say it was going to be on there. Um, And that's just the way it is. Uh, He he knew about the uh, Series 7000 aluminum uh, that was brought over from the Apple Watch. The the faster touch ID, he nailed that, like, I think a year ago. Um, So (laughs) you look at at everything that he put out this year, and he nailed Apple's fall 2015 product line. I'm not saying the guy's perfect. He's gotten some stuff wrong, too, but... I mean, you're coming to a rumor website about Apple products, and you really want us to throw the baby out with the bathwater on this one? You know, the guy's getting most of what he reports right. You can look into it and see the past reports on it. It's accurate information. And so I realize that you guys don't like him, and that's fine, but you can't say that we shouldn't be writing stories about it because we write about Apple upcoming products and rumors, and that's what this guy does. So, all right, rant over. So you put a lot of stock in this guy, do you? I mean, you know, what he says is probably right. So that's what it is. We've talked before about SoftLayer, and SoftLayer is again sponsoring our podcast, and we're grateful for it. SoftLayer delivers a cloud built to scale. Your business, your applications, your computational workloads are unique, and you deserve cloud resources that meet your specific needs. SoftLayer is one of the only cloud providers that provisions dedicated servers and virtual servers from a single seamless platform, all on demand, all connected to the same open API, and all connected to a global private network. SoftLayer is an IBM company, and IBM uses SoftLayer as its cloud infrastructure foundation for all IBM cloud products and services. Even when you're not looking for infrastructure, you can benefit from SoftLayer infrastructure when you use platform or software services from IBM Cloud. All of our listeners have the opportunity to get $500 of cloud infrastructure by visiting softlayer.com slash podcast. You can order bare metal servers, virtual servers, storage, networking, security services from your choice of data center around the world. You can automate and control your cloud infrastructure with a granular API or in the easy-to-use SoftLayer customer portal. Visit softlayer.com slash podcast to get started with your $500 off servers, storage, network, and security on a cloud built to scale from software. Mikey, I want to hear about the new iMac. Can you tell me about the new iMac? Which one? Well, can you tell me about the 21 inch? All right. So the 21.5 inch is uh, (coughs) Apple's uh, first 4K. So it comes in right below the 5K 27 inch. 
and uh, we got our hands on one to review uh, this past week. And overall, it's a it's a decent machine. Um, something that pros could look into uh, if they want a if they if they're not committed to the to the five k if they're just working on I don't know say regular HD footage if they're videographers or I mean it's even a great uh, photo editing machine it's small um, and it, it it's not as gargantuan as a twenty seven inch of course. Um, there there were a few quirks, uh, the most egregious being a spinning hard drive that is uh, uh, 5,400 RPM. So it's very slow. Um, in our case, we when we were testing, the spinning beach ball came up uh, pretty much regularly. Um, opening apps, switching apps, um, and even performing some in-app operations that you know were data intensive so we highly recommend that you at least step up to the uh, fusion drive the one terabyte fusion drive it only comes with uh, 24 gigs of um, flash memory the fusion drive this year instead of 128 but for the stuff that you're going to be doing on a 4k iMac it it should be more than enough um, but there are a few considerations as well um, the RAM is not user replaceable. Neither is the hard drive. So you're gonna to have to make those decisions up front. And you know, it's always great to err on the side of caution and try to future proof your machine as much as possible. So maxing out the RAM is always always a good good choice. And again, the hard drive. I, I can't stress enough how bad. The hard drive is on the very ba- on the base model. It's just for someone. I mean, I've been working with a MacBook Pro. My latest, my the MacBook Pro that I'm using now, uh, 2013, has a SSD in it, and it's infuriating to go to the iMac with uh, the spinning hard drive. It's it's just it's. I it's just I don't, I'm not an impatient person, but it's like it's really it just does not work well for modern day apps i cannot believe that they went with a 5400 rpm hard drive i mean that is crazy it's this is like going back to when the first imax came out it was basically a laptop shoehorned into an all-in-one right this is like they're doing it again and it's fine if you're doing it with a 21.5 inch that's you know the baseline one without the 4k but when you're getting the 4k you would expect uh, it's kind of a step up model, so you'd expect at least like a seventy two hundred ten thousand. Come on, I, I don't. Well, yeah, but this I mean, is it's not an enterprise drive. They don't. They but, have the fusion drive. They cut back on the SSD in that, so I know their margins are going to be decent. They could have just went with an all fusion drive offering. So every part about this was a cost reduction method, is what you're saying. It was a cost reduction effort, and they cost reduced the drive. They cost reduced the RAM. They put the RAM so it can't be replaced. Well, I mean, yeah, it's they wanted to come in. I'm, I'm sure the screen is pricey, right? It's a 4K. So they wanted to come in at a certain price point that's not... I mean, as it stands right now, you can pay a few hundred dollars more and get the 27-inch, right? So they have to delineate. Uh, they have to distinguish you know, the 27-inch as the flagship iMac. Does this so product just exist to, to upsell people to the 27-inch? 
I don't think so. I mean, it's a good pr- look. If you have a fusion drive or even better yet, an SSD, I mean, the 4K, it's a great it's a great size to have on your desk. I don't know many people who would prefer a 27-inch screen or who multitask that hard. I mean, if you're not doing 5 or 4K editing, video editing or you know, playing with huge Photoshop files or have 20 windows open at one time. For most users, a 21.5 inch is more than enough space. And you put 4K in that and you're, you know, you're the, uh, the desktop quadruples in size, basically, right? Well, virtually, but. Mikey, are you a size yeah. queen? Damn. No. <laughs> wow. Look, I'm saying the 21 inch is great. It's a good, it's Dude. a solid, it's a solid form factor that sits on anyone's desk easily without, you know, being getting in the way of pencil holders or whatever, whatever you want <laughs> to put on your desk. It's good. It's a good size. You can stick it in a nook. Uh, you can put it in one of those uh, foldable desks. Uh-huh. I mean, it's great. It's good size, and it, you stuff 4K in there. And you're effectively quadrupling the canvas that you get to work on. Wait, let so. me let me ask. So what you're saying is that this is a, a series of compromises and you're not a fan of the way the compromises went because you've got this really great display, but they've crippled it elsewhere. Yeah. I mean it's that's that's my whole Apple TV experience. You've summed it up. This is what <laughs> Apple's doing to all of the product line. No, except it's, except the iMac no, has four K. Yeah, okay, yeah. I grant you that. Yeah. Okay, no, it's not. It's look, they're doing this. The, what they did is is they just stuffed a 4K display in their 21.5-inch iMac is what they did. And the 21.5-inch iMac was never uh, meant to be the most flexible machine. Right. Right. It had soldered-in RAM. Yeah. That's uh, not new. Yeah, the only so thing I mean, that's really they, new they here took the is old, the old. Okay. Yeah. And they put in, they slapped They updated the processor screen. and put in a 4K display. And anybody who wants yeah. a 4K display is not going to want a 5,400 RPM hard drive. So pay for right. the upgrade. So the, the buying advice here is get the better storage option. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's a definite. What would be the so minimum our, our, RAM you would recommend somebody get on a 4K machine like this? It depends on your use. The, the base model is fine. The base if model have just four or eight. Whatever. How much? How much has the base model got for RAM? Um, the base model has, I believe it's eight. Hold on. Edit this out. Yes, it is eight. So that's eight, it's eight gigs of, um, 1867 megahertz DDR3 RAM, right? So, I mean, that's already fast. Eight gigs of fury. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a fast, uh, it's a fast module and you have eight gigabytes. So for casual users, that's enough. But again, if you're going to do that and you have a spinning hard drive <laughs> and you're starting to deal with, uh, with page dumps onto your hard drive, it's going to get ridiculously slow. All right. So I'm on the market for a 21.5 inch iMac. I've, I've decided I want the 4K display. Do I get the Fusion Drive or do I splurge and get the um, SSD? I think the Fusion Drive is fine. Okay. If you're, I mean, for you... Because you're not a professional, right? I'm, I'm saying for who this market is for. I mean, yeah, I feel like, yeah. If I mean, you got the desk the space at that the, price, you're just going to go for the 27 inch. I think that the, I think this is kind of yeah. a, a, a niche product. 
Well, I think they're hoping that, I mean, well, they're obviously hoping that as prices or the um, cost amortizes over the next couple of years, yeah. they'll be able to, you know, create a gap between the 4K and the, the, 20, the 5K. Well, the first uh, uh, but, Retina MacBooks were grossly overpriced. Yeah. So, I mean, right now you can spend like, uh, what is it, 300 extra dollars after you get the Fusion Drive. And you can step up to the 27-inch version. And that comes with a Fusion Drive by default, right? No, that comes with a 7200. Oh, RPM. boy. Yeah. So how much is a base 27-inch with Fusion Drive? Uh, that would be $400 more. So it's an extra 100 for the Fusion Drive. Yeah. Wait. Yes, I think so. Oh, wait, no. Well, I don't know. Base. So you, The base so the one base, is a 7200 RPM. Yeah. And you add extra hundred for the one terabyte fusion, mm. and that comes out to nineteen hundred, basically, if you don't upgrade the RAM, which is also at eight gigabytes, just like the twenty-one inch, versus what you get with the four K, which starts at fifteen. Add a fusion drive to that, sixteen, right? So it's $300 difference. So sum up for me the, the recommended configuration you would tell people to buy in the 21-inch. So for the 21-inch, uh, keep the processor the same. It's fine. It's, it's snappy. Um, RAM, depending on your use, if you do a lot of photo editing or a lot of multimedia work, then go with the 16 gigs, otherwise the eight gigs is fine. Um, but you have to, have to upgrade the hard drive, at least to a Fusion, which is uh, one terabyte and it's a uh, hundred dollars more. Okay, so that's the option, that's our recommendation. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. I want to get to the user questions, to the, the Twitter questions. Okay. So, Neil, you asked our, our uh, wide Twitter fan base what questions they had about the new Apple TV, the iMac, and, and what about the iPhone 7 rumors. So, Paul Allen K. asks... Is that no the Paul Allen? No, no, it's, <gasps> it's a Paul Allen. Got it. It is not the Paul Allen. But I'll let you know what he does ask. Uh, he asks that there, he says there's no official release date yet for the iPad Pro, but do you have any idea when you think it is? Uh, the rumor is next week, so the rumor is it's going to come out Tuesday. Cool, and we'll let you know if that happens. Uh, Paris Shaw says that, that Neil, you had a really nice review for the Apple TV, but he has a question. He wants you to review accessibility features so that developers can be more aware of what accessibility options are available to them in, after reading your reviews. So what do we know about accessibility in tvOS? There's some Siri integration to uh, do things like uh, quickly rewind or to turn on uh, closed captions and stuff like that, which obviously um, offers some benefits. And there's a, there's a dedicated accessibility menu in Apple TV to uh, adjust settings in there as well. And make you can do things like you can on the iPhone, like reduce motion, um, and uh, and certain things like that. Is there voiceover at all for uh, for Apple TV? 
I don't know. I've never used it. There is. There is, but it's only, uh, it's limited. Like, you can't use it to enter passwords, which is irritating. Yeah, Siri doesn't even talk back to you on the Apple TV, so... Um, I, I don't really mind that. Yeah, I don't mind it either. Because I don't want to hear her coming out of my TV. <laughs> yeah, I asked why she doesn't talk, and it said to me, it said back that nobody likes a chatty McChatterson when you're trying to watch TV. <laughs> nice. So, yeah, I, I think the accessibility stuff is important. You know, I one of the first things I did was turn on the subtitles, turn on closed captions, and. Uh, it's good to know that voiceover is there, so developers should be able to take advantage of that. There's a things. volume normalization feature as well uh, that mm-hmm. makes it so that the loud noises are softened if you're watching in an apartment or something like that, which is cool. Cool. Uh, Keith asks, what updates are expected to Apple TV 4 due to the massive complaints about lack of keyboard entry and 4K? Are there going to be OTA fixes or over-the-air fixes available? It's not really clear if they can even do 4K with an over-the-air update with a software update. I think there's a hardware limitation on it. Um, yeah, you can't. Yeah, it's not possible. Yeah, so unless they have it locked away in a hardware spec that developers have not found. Yeah, yet, which is unlikely. Seems unlikely. Seems like something they could do next year. But who cares? Who has a 4K TV and who has the bandwidth to stream 4K content? I, I don't really see that as much of or, an issue who has the content even if they do have the yeah i mean the most content for 4k is now being shot on people's iphone successes you know like that's where it's all coming from if if you're really looking forward to house of cards season four that's 4k but but it's going to downscale it anyhow because you're stuck with time warner cable who can't handle 4k so done (laughs) uh your time i can't (laughs) (laughs) uh but uh keith wanted to know also about keyboard entry your guess is as good as mine, Keith. I'm hoping, uh, I'm hoping this, I'm hoping that gets fixed soon because I think it's kind of ridiculous. Yeah. Well, it's not in the nine point. Uh, it's not in the latest. Video. Well, for the all TV we know, it might beta. be a update to the app itself. Now, here's the interesting thing: if it requires an update to the iOS remote app, that's a native app on the Apple Watch, so they're going to have to put out a whole new Watch OS update just to give it compatibility with the new Apple TV if that's what's required, which is crazy to me. I mean, it's, it's a well, built-in native app to the watch, and it doesn't work with the new Apple TV. What were they thinking? Right, but that can happen as a point release update. I know. It, yeah, it can, but it's just crazy to me that they can't... I mean, this should have been out on day one. It's it's a stupid move. Well, I mean, it could be that they... It, it's <laughs> This product has been in the making for so long that... It didn't ship with certain features. Well, I, we saw the other day uh, uh, Jason Snell at Six Colors said that uh, he had asked them at the event in September. Oh, and yeah. they, they basically <laughs> said straight up, they're like, nope, it's not going to support the new remote. So they knew. I mean, this wasn't like – it's not like they're caught off guard like, oh, pe- we forgot we have this product out there. They know. And this was a decision on their part to encourage people to use a Siri remote. They're going to have to cave. It's just it, – it's crazy. I don't know why they did it this way. I wonder how they would uh, implement that in on iPhone because if there's because Siri on Apple TV is dis, is not connected to you know the one on your it's kind of the same thing like when you invoke Siri on your Apple Watch mm-hmm. and you have um, the hands-free Siri going on your <laughs> iPhone 6s yeah. it it activates both right so you're gonna have like. <laughs> 
three of them going at Siri the same time. all around you, huh? Yeah, it's going to be One ridiculous. way to fix this that they should do is just give Siri a custom command that you say, and you can set it per device. So it can recognize your voice and what you say. So you could... Hola, Siri. Yeah, you can just say some other command that you choose. That would be nice, but eh, what do I know? Yeah. Thomas Terrence asks, why doesn't the new Apple TV have a headphone jack like Roku? Um, you want to field that? Because I got an opinion. <laughs> I mean, I uh, am. I do lament the loss of the optical out. Um, here, here. I have mentioned this before that I have a HDMI splitter that actually breaks the copyright. Is, is yours the JTEC brand? It is, and it's awesome. It's like it's yeah. like the size of a pack of cigarettes, and it has four HDMI inputs two HDMI outputs and it strips audio from the HDMI inputs and puts it out over optical. So I live in a very small Brooklyn apartment. I don't want to blast my neighbors out if I want to watch a movie or play a video game at two o'clock in the morning. So I use this product in place of a giant receiver that I would have if I didn't live in a tiny apartment. Uh, but this is just like a tiny little thing that rips the audio and transports it to my headphones and I can listen to simulated 5.1 audio over my headphones it's great yeah i have the receiver i have an onkyo thx certified whatever and it's it predates hdmi's prevalence so it's got optical ends all over the place right which was perfect for the previous apple tvs this one doesn't have it so i am borrowing my dad's jtec and using that to strip the optical off of the hdmi so i can use my receiver and it's like 50 bucks on amazon and it does the same thing as a giant receiver it's pretty awesome the, well, I'm, I'm using it to pipe into my giant receiver, and it works. That great. yeah, that works too. Um, the, the other thing that I've seen people in the comments say that they do uh, is they used on the old Apple TV the optical out as a dedicated speaker out for AirPlay. So you totally could you you could use it would do uh, simultaneous optical to mini Toslink and run it into an Airport Express. You could do that with the old Apple Hi-Fi speaker. Well, no, you didn't perfect. even need to do the mini Toslink on. Apple TV, it had a full... No, full Toslink on the Apple TV side, mini Toslink on the Airport Express, or the... Right, uh, it's it's the same, yeah. Or, or on the But Apple if you Hi-Fi. have a hi-fi speaker, you can run an optical cable into the back of it. And so the advantage of that, for those of you who uh, don't understand what we're talking about, is if you, wanna, uh, if you want to listen to music via AirPlay and have it always on and ready to play... Um, it's kind of difficult to do with HDMI because you have to turn on your TV and your receiver and get it all set up. But if you have a dedicated speaker plugged into your Apple TV's optical out, it could always be on and you could just tell your Apple TV to start playing music and your TV doesn't have to be turned on in order to work. And so that allows people to just have a speaker that anytime they want to start playing music, just pull out their phone, airplay to Apple TV, and it works. You can still do that with an Airport Express, but Apple has not updated the Airport Express to 802.11ac, which is really annoying. So if you get an Airport, Ex- really? if you get an Airport Express, it does do mini Toslink out for, and it, do, it actually does um, 3.5 millimeter out too. So you can just plug in regular uh, thing, and that's what I have in my apartment. I have a, a portable speaker that's always on, and it's plugged into my Airport Express, and I use that uh, to to play music on demand. Yeah, and I have a Griffin 20, which is a, you plug your Airport Express into it, it has a nice amplifier that then connects to your old traditional speakers and replaces the receiver with a little tiny thing meant for AirPlay. I just wish that they had 802.11ac in the Airport Express. That's why. 
Why, why do you want AC? Because I have a bunch of AC devices and I don't have AC Wi-Fi. I'm using Airport Express as my router, so... What, what gain do you... I mean, what, what, what benefit are you seeking, though? Because you're in your apartment. You're not actually having Wi-Fi failing on you. No, but you I mean... I, well, for example... He wants the raw speed that he doesn't get from yeah, time I, <laughs> I mean, well, nothing would live up to AC standards with, you know, internet at home anyhow. But think, for example... I mean, I have an iPhone 6S. I have a brand new 13-inch MacBook Pro. I have an iPad Air 2. All of them are capable of 802.11ac Wi-Fi. I, I feel like you you want it so that all the letters match, not because there's a practical benefit you're missing out on here. Well, based on that logic, why well, would anybody upgrade to 802.11ac? No, it has it has more channels. Yeah, it's a better signal, and presumably for stuff like uh, um, uh, AirDrop and stuff like that. Would, I mean, well, AirDrop initiates over Bluetooth and then follows through over the the Wi-Fi. But does it do it over a shared network, or does it do it directly if you're on the sh- same Wi-Fi network? I don't know how that works. I forget. I used to know. Um, no, it, it's from the uh, uh, network. Or you, yeah. So if they're both yeah. on the same network, it'll share the network. So presumably if you had an 802.11ac router, then AirDrop you, would be faster. You could push file transfers faster, right. yes. Um, well, what I like is using the 5 gigahertz bands because they're less crowded. Yes. Everyone else is using the 2.4 gigahertz bands. Yes. But you can do that with 802.11n just fine. So that's not a, a really big benefit there. The speed is the benefit, but when you have faster speeds like that, you also have shorter distances you can cover. Right. You, that's that's the trade-off. Now, you and your tiny apartment, that works out okay because you, you haven't increased any distance anyway. But if you're in your house in Florida, for example, then having AC means that, that practically if you're any kind of distance in the house, you're not going to see the same benefit right. that AC would promise. It's just weird that they've upgraded all their products to AC and their entry-level router doesn't have it yet. There are a couple of products in Apple's product line that have been seemingly abandoned or not been paid the attention to. And they are the Airport Express, the Mac Mini, and I'm sure there's a couple others we could pick out, right? iPod Nano. Nano. Well, they did update the colors for some reason (laughs) without updating the OS. Why they did that, I don't know. Because sales? Because because colors are cool? Why not just give the OS a quick polish? They could put one guy on it for a weekend. <laughs> that guy was the guy making AirDrop work. That guy was the one making the iOS remote app, too. There was <laughs> yeah, a exactly. story years ago. This is true. There was one guy responsible for the iOS remote app. True. Yeah. One guy yeah. at Apple. It was, his, like, it was his brainchild. How crazy is that? It's awesome. I mean, it's it's awesome, but it's also sad because the app is neglected, and it's a great app. And they're so schizophrenic. It's like, okay, we'll have one guy work on it. We'll abandon the app for a long time. Then they gave it a refresh a few years ago. Then they built it into the Apple Watch as a native app, and then now they don't support it with the Apple TV. It's like, what are you doing? Like, what? There's no consistency there. Hey, it's for people who want to play music from their Mac. <laughs> All five of them. <sighs> collective song yeah. home sharing guys come on get on the bandwagon i guess all right well this has been the apple insider podcast uh mikey where can people mm. find you on the internet uh apple insider and twitter at mikey campbell 81 neil managing editor of apple insider esteemed leader where can people find you on the internet 
you can read all about Ming Chi Kuo at Apple Insider, <laughs> and uh, you can see me tweet about Ming Chi Kuo at This Is Neil. That is all he writes about, it's, by the I'm, way. I got a crush. What can I say? Well, this is, as I said, <laughs> been the Apple Insider podcast, and. If if Neil writes about Ming Chi Kuo next week, we'll be sure to tell you all about it here. This episode is brought to you by Canary, a complete home security system in a single device. When Canary detects something out of the ordinary, it sends intelligent notifications with HD video straight to your phone. Canary puts you in control during an emergency. Through the Canary app, you can watch live footage, sound a built-in siren, or connect with police near your home. Start protecting your home with Canary today for just $199. Go to meetcanary.com and use the promo code INSIDER to get free overnight shipping. Oh, yeah.